Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I'm your host. And today's episode is about paranoid episodes. Um, I had done one a long time ago, and the reason I had only done one is because I know with uh, BPD, some of the subtypes, uh, one of them that has to do with paranoia, is a very low percentage, um, the last I had looked. And... To be honest with you, my wife, one of, one of the biggest things of her BPD is her paranoia and her delusions. And I honestly think that if it wasn't for her paranoia and delusions, that we probably wouldn't have had so many separations and probably would be together at this point. Those were the main things that made her make me leave. And she would believe that I was... Uh, bringing women in the house or I was sneaking around with people and it would bring her to a heightened level that literally would make her freak out and make me leave and that's one of the reasons that enables um, I say enables but keeps her hatred for me at bay um, for the things that happen during her paranoia she thinks that I have women on the side and still do and that's the main reason she won't let me back um, but anyways, I received an email from a listener uh, just yesterday, and reading this email almost seemed like I was writing it to myself. It was a carbon copy of exactly what I go through, um, and he begged me twice in the email to please do some more episodes about it. So, I mean, I'm assuming there's probably a lot of people out there that go through this and probably have a hard time finding information about it as much as I did, or, you know, having somebody that actually have gone through it like I have. So it kind of made me feel a, a little uncomfortable. It, and actually, it always did make me feel uncomfortable talking to people um, about her delusions because they'd look at me like I had four heads and and I was always having to defend my stories of saying, you know, I, I know, you know, you probably think I'm crazy by saying this and, and it, it always did sound unbelievable. It almost sounded like a paranoid schizophrenia kind of a story. Um... But anyway, so I'm going to touch on that and respond to that reader's email and anybody else 
Um, hopefully you can find some way to resonate with this episode. And, you know, it's really touchy for me because this is the one thing that always made me feel like I lost my wife. Um, that the paranoia and the delusions took her away from me because she completely became consumed with a completely different person um, with her paranoia. And not just with me, but with a lot of people around her. So anyways, uh, with that being said, that's my introduction to this episode. And stay tuned and listen. Thank you. for listening living in third degree with bpd so with this episode being uh focused on my wife's paranoia and her delusions um that's part of her subtype um of bpd and i probably have more stories of her delusions than anything else and like i said that is the worst part about her bpd and after a while it became you know in the beginning um, you know, before I knew about BPD and, you know, specifically her BPD and, um, the delusions sounded so wacky, you know, it just sounded like somebody being insecure with themselves and, you know, just more like a paranoia of, um, anybody out of the ordinary, you know, being worried that their other half is cheating on them. Then it became to, you know, hearing noises and really thinking I was sneaking people in or something. And I feel bad because I look back and I'm not going to look back on it too hard because it kills me. How I used to make fun of her. And, um, you know, she used to say I would be sneaking people into the garage. And I'm like, no, I'm sneaking aliens into the garage. And, you know, then I'd see her cry and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, I'm not going to feel bad for you because you're making me cry because you're making me leave and not being with somebody that I love because you're going to make stories up. So I'm going to make stories up. So she said something to me that sounded crazy. So I would say something to her that sounded crazy to me, just sneaking women in the garage sounded crazy. So to her, I said, sneaking aliens into the garage sounded crazy. Um, and then it became to, you know, of me mocking her identically. Um, I would say, no, you're sneaking men into the garage. And, then when I looked into it more and started realizing, you know, she was actually having delusions. Um, that's when it really became sad. And I tried really trying to analyze it and figure if there was something that was happening right before it that was triggering it. Um, if there was some kind of argument before then or a or a situation we were in, or a conversation we were having, and then right after something happened, that would trigger it. And I never really could pinpoint it. There was never anything that I could really, it was just so random. And sometimes we were literally having a great time. I I remember one time we were watching a movie, and I think it was just a a rom-com movie, and um, there was a noise outside, and she immediately threw everything onto the floor and said, um, you don't have to make an excuse if I was in if you want to go meet her outside. And so what are you talking about? And she goes, I, I heard her out there sneaking around. I said, oh my God, here we go again. You know, and 
as much as I knew afterwards that it was delusions, it would become frustrating. Like, you know, right, here we go. You know, again, you know, I'm only human. And as much as I tried to, you know, subside what I really wanted to say, um, you know, I, I remember that night we were having, we had a wonderful day. We had, it was probably like day three of being normal, everything going great. That movie we were watching, uh, I'm sorry, that night we were watching a movie and, you know, I was cuddled up to her and everything. We were under the blankets and had my arm around her. And she just threw everything on the floor. And I didn't even fight with it. I just stood up and I said, you know, here we go. We almost made it to D4, Michelle. We almost made it to D4. Here we go. Thanks a lot. So I, I should just pack my stuff and go. And um, then she's like, no, you're not going anywhere. And I said, I'm not. She said, no. Now you can let the little horse stay out there. And it's okay. Well, let's let the little horse stay out there. Can we go back to cuddling and watching our movie? She says, no, nah, you can sit right here. I don't feel like watching with you. You disgust me. And it would turn into an argument. And then 20 minutes later, she's like, no, you can leave. Because I think she wanted to get in that little bit of, you know, running her mouth and getting whatever off her chest. And I said, do you want me to leave? Do you not want me to leave? Because I, I want to stay. I really do. You know, you know as well as I do, there's nothing going on out there. You know, you felt you felt like ruining everything. You know, here we are going. We almost made it to day four, getting along, and you know that's over now because you wanted to think whatever. But I said, you know, you can go outside, look. I'll go out with you and look, whatever. But you know, as far as I'm concerned, the night may be over, but I still want to be with you. Can I just maybe just lay down next to you and go to sleep? And you know, it would turn into things like that because you know I knew in my mind it was a delusion, um, and. She was always too embarrassed to admit it. She never would admit it, um, you know, that she's wrong. But that's also a part of her not trying to um, welcome working with DBT into her life because she would have paused, stepped back. And, you know, the other thing is I told her before, and I just did an episode on trying to rationalize for them, was... Um, I don't remember exactly what incident it was, um, but I, I told her, I said, you know, what you just did now was your room in the night, because now you're not going to admit that you're wrong, even if you found out what the noise outside was. The night's ruined. So even if you did find out what the noise was, you'd be too embarrassed to um, apologize, and you would be afraid that if you apologize, I'd be like, haha, see, I got you. So... Whatever the case, whatever the night is going to turn out to be, whether it's we just sit here and be quiet or do our own thing or whatever, it's ruined. But if I was you, what I would have done was the noise that you heard is kept my mouth shut. If you thought I was waiting for somebody outside, is play it out and say, okay, oh, I just heard somebody outside. I'm going to watch his every move. If I go up to go to the bathroom, watch where I go. Watch what I do. And then catch us in the act. And then you can say, see? Now I've got you both. Take your phone out, record it, take a picture, whatever, and say, there, you want to say I'm crazy? Now I've got the proof. I just recorded you going outside meeting her. Otherwise, you're just going to see me get up, go to the bathroom, come back in here. Go to the kitchen, get a drink, come back in here and be with you. Sleep down the night and wake up with you and never leave. And that would kind of prove to you over a while that he's not meeting somebody. It is just a noise. Because every time you hear just a noise, you follow me around and you find out it's nothing. But now what happens is, let's say if it was true, which it's not, now you just scared off that person. Now Brad's probably going to 
at some point, you're going to go to the bathroom. He's going to go to the bathroom and text her and say, deal's off. You better go home. Tonight we can't meet. Do you see what I mean? And I tried explaining that to her. Now, even if I had a disorder and wasn't sure if it was true or not, because you can't be crazy all the time or think crazy thoughts all the time, is for my own sake, that's what I would do. I'd say, okay, I just heard a noise. I'm going to wait and see if she does try to meet up with somebody or pull her phone out and try to text somebody like, hey, I heard you outside. Um, I'll try to meet up with you or something. I would rather I would sit there and try to watch what plays out afterwards rather than jump right on it and then realize every time, was he really going to meet somebody and did I ruin it? Or, you know, am I just thinking these thoughts? But she would never follow along with it. Um she had always think it's a reverse psychology kind of plague, but that's not what it was. Um, and it would be the, the weirdest, like, not just noises. One time, um, she reads tarot cards, <clears throat> and, uh, excuse me, she would say that, they say if you can smell like a cigar or perfume, that's your loved one um, that you smell coming into the room. And I've heard that from other people before, and I've smelled it myself. You know, whether that is, you know, her mother that she claims he does or not, I don't know. But one night, um, I didn't smell, but she did. We would, she was doing her cards, and she threw everything on the floor again. And she said, um, Jesus, you tell you a little whore not to put a perfume on so strong. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, oh, you can't smell that? And I said, no, no, I can't. And I said, but wait, wait a minute. You're always telling me when you can smell perfume is you say that your mother or your sister. She goes, no, I know the smell of their perfume. This isn't their perfume. So, of course, being wise, I said, well, I didn't know that spirits have different perfumes. Like, they have a whole collection of perfumes that they pick for, you know, a different one. You know, maybe God ran out of that scent that evening and maybe gave them the substitute. And, of course, that was a smart-ass remark. And, you know, I, I said, don't, don't worry, I'll get my bags. I'll leave myself. Um, but... I tried to explain to her that, you know, other times you say it's their perfume and up. She always had to answer. No, it's not that smell. Um, but she'd hear, you know, we have uh, two large black German shepherds that bounce around and make very loud bumps during the night. Um, there's two cats that are hyper beyond belief that knock shit down constantly. Um, and at one time, there was three cats. And they're always knocking shit down. But... You know, when she heard a noise, it, it, it there's no way it could have been two big German shepherds or the dogs chasing the cats or the cats chasing themselves. Like any other time, when her time, it was somebody, you know, making a noise that was in the house for me or in the basement for me. And, and I would also try to rationalize but be kind of like a wise-ass in the meantime. Like she always had this thing about the basement. <clears throat> she would hear a noise and... I say, um, you know, stuff like, um, you know, um, she must be not that not classy. She wants to fuck in a, in a dirty basement. I said, you know, what are you talking about? Are you sneaking women in through the basement, into the basement? And sneaking women in through the window. I said, you know, that sounds a little bit stupid. These windows are basement windows. Number one, you can only um, take the the um, hardware are from the inside and it takes about 10 minutes per window to take that off. And as skinny as I am, I would still even have a hard time sneaking in through that window. Isn't it easier if I let them in through the back door or leave it unlocked or maybe in through the top door? 
Because either one of those somebody could sneak in through. And again, and a lot of these episodes were filled with damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, as a matter of fact, there was um, one time we were laying next to each other and I had my headphones on. And you could clearly hear that they were blaring pretty loud. They were, I was playing a Metallica song and they were the big over-the-ear speakers. And she put her fingers behind them and flipped them off. And I said, what? And she said, oh, whoever you're waiting for just said hello outside the basement window because we had our uh, bedroom in the basement at the time. And I looked at her and I said, what are you talking about? And she said, don't play stupid with me. She's like, they're calling for you. So I figured, you know what? Well, then I said, let's both go outside then and let's go see if somebody's out there. And she said, oh, that just makes you look guilty. I said, but if I didn't want to go outside and look, that wouldn't that make me look guilty? So... You know, it was like, Dan, if you do, Dan, if you don't. Um, you know, um, I don't remember, like, a lot of the outcomes of these. Of You know, I mean, a lot of them were arguments and her making me leave. But um, this is more to give you examples of, you know, things that had happened. Um, and there was one time we were getting gas at the store. And, and... I noticed one of my jackets in the back seat. The arm was hanging a little bit out of the back seat door. So I opened the back door and I threw the arm in and shut the door. And the jacket must have been crunched near the back seat because it didn't shut again. So I threw the jacket in more and slammed the door shut. So we're getting ready to leave. And she opened her door and she slammed it. Opened it again, slammed it. She did it like three more times. I said, what are you doing? She said, I don't know. Whoever you're trying to get the attention of, I just figured I'd get, her, get their attention a little bit more. And I said, there was the jacket was sticking out of the door. She's like, oh, I know. And you had to slam it that hard twice. I said, well, what's the big deal? She said, you know, you're trying to get somebody's attention. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, do you know if it worked? Because I don't see anybody looking over here. There was like hardly anybody at the gas station. So as we're driving down the road, um, as a matter of fact, she was driving. I remember this. She was driving. So. You know, knowing that was probably the start of an episode, I'm kind of like had my arm on the on the windowsill of the car and had my arm uh, head cradled into my arm, and I'm kind of like looking in the side mirror. And she said, "You get a good enough view in the mirror? Do you? you, I mean, do you want me to slow down to see if they're following us or not?" I said, "What are you talking about?" And she goes, "I'll just pull over and let the cars that are behind us go by us." I'm like, "So then, go ahead and do it." You know, so it was things like that. If, you know, because I'm looking at my mirror, I must be looking to see if somebody's following us. So that started developing ticks along the way with me because I started to try to take notice of everything I was doing or, you know, how I was positioned or actions I was making so that she wouldn't try to think things. And that wasn't right. I shouldn't have to go out of my way so she's not having these episodes. But again, I loved her enough that I didn't want to have arguments with her. So here I am you know, trying to do these things and, you know, like I said, trying to offer her rational explanations or smart-ass rationalizations um, or, you know, like with music, if there was a song on the radio and I was singing it, for some reason that song, you know, because I don't sing every single song on the radio, if I happen to sing that song, it must be a song between me and a girl because all of a sudden she would shut it off and she's like, oh, I used to like that song, but all of a sudden I don't like it anymore. I said, what, well, because I'm singing it? 
said, oh, I know all of a sudden you like it. It's, was it you're in her song now? Did you guys just hear it on your last date? So I was allowing her to pick songs, you know, and I remember one day she, she sang like three songs in a row. And I looked at her and I said, you know, it makes me mad. You just enjoyed those three songs, and I did too. And you freely sang them. And But when I do, you, you accuse me of having a special song with somebody else or, you know, I must have just been singing that song with a girl because I, I enjoyed it, you know, but, but it's okay for you. But then that, that would start a fight, you know, so I would always end up having to keep those kind of comments in. But sometimes I would just try to get it off my chest and it would make me upset. I'm like, you know, it must be just nice to be able to listen to what songs you want or slam a door and not have to have any repercussions for it or look in a direction <clears throat> and not have any, um, you know, repercussions for it. Um, we'd be outside at night and we'd have like one of our little bonfires going and if a car would go down the road and happen to beep, oh my God, I would literally get cringes and I would get shivers from head to toe and lo and behold, I'd hear it and she'd say, oh, they're beeping for you. What does that mean? You got to meet them in five minutes? Is that what one beep is? Or you get to meet them in three minutes? So I'd look at her and I said, well, there goes our night. I don't know. So maybe you should tell me, don't you want to keep an eye on me and see when I leave? Because now you just ruined it. Because don't you think now I'm going to text them and tell them you just blew it? She heard it. And I would say to her afterwards, you know, because it was already going to be an argument. And I said, you know, here we go again. And I tried to explain it to you. Now, if you thought there was somebody beeping for me, wouldn't you have wanted to play it smart and keep an eye on me and see if I took off to go meet somebody, walked or went outside by myself or texted anybody? No, because you would have seen he hasn't texted anybody. He hasn't gone anywhere. Jesus, just coincidentally, the thousand cars that go down this state highway happened to beep their horn, and it was in our earshot that it was coincidental. But no, that one in a thousand cars just happened to be for me. And, you know, it would get frustrating after a time because, you know, then, again, I'm only human. I'd hear a car go by and beep, and I said, oh, Michelle, you're going to meet them in five minutes, right? And she'd turn around and go, nice try. Reverse psychology doesn't work, shitbag. I'm like, oh my God, I can't win, no matter what I do. So, um, I'm trying to think of, um, um, there was just so many instances, you know, if, um, if I, I, I threw something, it would happen to be a signal somebody was watching, like we'd be sitting outside and I'd crumple up a piece of paper and I throw it, you know, like most people do, like a basketball into, in, into the, the barrel that we burn. And, um. Uh, she'd grab something and go, oh, yeah, let, let me try. Oh, you're showing off for your little girl? You show, well, who is here? Oh, she'll watch for you. Is that what it means when she sees you throw something? She's going to meet you somewhere? And I said, I don't know. Maybe, again, you should have kept your eyes open and watched. So the next time I threw something, you'd know it. if it meant three minutes or five minutes I was going to meet her. You know, I'd get frustrated after a while. But then I would get so upset and sad, and I would break down crying because, again, I lost my wife, who I used to think was one of the most smartest people, somebody I could lean on, somebody I could rely on. And, you know, how could a person that literally thinks that I do these things and believe these things, I can never ask her a, a, an honest business question with? You know, this is somebody who's not, you know, normal in, in society's mind now. And not only does she have a disorder, she's actually um, saying things that seem crazy. You know, I can't trust this woman anymore. This isn't the woman I married. 
this isn't somebody that just has a bad habit. This is a disorder. This is something that's going to affect her life, going to affect my life, and the lives of everybody around her. And um, it's gone to the point where her paranoia and delusions are so bad, she literally has thought that I sleep with my daughters um, because they would come down and ask us for a cigarette or something. She would actually say that they're coming down to give me a signal to meet them and have sex with them. And my oldest daughter, when she got pregnant, she went around telling people that it was my child. That is how bad her delusions are, and she still believes it to this day. Um, she'll say, behind my back and somebody else's back, um, behind my daughter's back, you know, that's pretty sick that, you know, they play it off like it's not his child. That's how bad her paranoia is, and it's to that point where I know things will never be normal again because her paranoia has taken over she will never ever even try to believe to listen um or wait things out to see if it's a pl plot or not because in her mind now she would think okay somebody will beep and i'll follow them around nothing will happen but they do that as a test you know they'll do it three times in a row and to think that okay nothing happens anytime somebody beeps it's not for him, but they'll just do that as a test. And the fourth time, they really do meet up. So no matter what, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. The damage is done. She's always going to be paranoid because if nothing happens, it was a test run. And the other times, it really does happen. So it's beyond, um, beyond repairing at this point. But it's literally... And, she has this other thing with signals. Like if I put my shoes on the floor, I'm putting them a certain way. Like if, if she has obsession with things to the left and to the right, if I put my shoes down, she'll go, oh, you want to the left of the bed? She don't want to the right of the bed? I, I don't know. Is there a difference? But to her, if somebody sees my shoes to the left, it means, I don't know, meet me on the left of the house or if one shoe's facing to the left and the other one's facing like three o'clock on the on the clock hand that meet me to the left of the house at three o'clock. Anyway, something is facing means a signal. And she just doesn't do it with me. She does it with my kids too. My daughter put her shoes down the phone one time and she whipped them. Don't you ever put your disgusting sneakers in my room again when you can meet somebody else at um, uh, to, to the right side of the house at three o'clock. Not on my time, not on my property. So everything, how you put them down. So... Again, with causing these ticks with me, I have to take my shoes off and, and make her see, look, I'm just throwing my shoes, and I'll tell her, I'm not being wise, but look, I'm just going to put my shoes here. I'm not even going to look on what direction they're facing or anything. And it still would start a fight because she would look at me and say, it doesn't change your disgusting pig. You know, and I said, I know, but at least tonight I'm not going to be. You know, so it, it became to the point where you know, the extraordinary started to be ordinary, you know, um, you know, the old saying, the ordinary seems extraordinary and the extraordinary seems ordinary. And that's how it ended up being. So that's when, like I said, there was no going back. The damage is done. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's sad because even when I try to go up there and just try to talk to her, the stupidest noise, or I say the wrong thing or a song comes on, it triggers her easier than normal. You know, like I said before, it was a couple episodes a month. 
then it was a couple episodes a week, then it was a couple episodes a day. Now when I go up there, I'm not even there an hour and there's an episode. So it's gone from worse to beyond repair. But the paranoia, I think, is the worst thing, in, in my opinion, that could anybody could have with paranoia. Because I know me, if I was in a paranoid state all the time, you'd be you become believing that stuff. And like I said, in the beginning, I know she would start thinking a little bit about the, you know, sit back and kind of wait it out and see what happens. But then she started believing that's just the test runs. I am sure there's three times that I could hear beeping and nothing would happen, but they're just doing it to test me. When the fourth and fifth time, something really does happen. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. And it's amazing the things that, that she has thought. Um, I remember one time we were in Walmart and I'm standing uh, checking out and she's like behind me looking at the DVDs that were on the shelf kind of behind me and I'm looking behind and she kept like peeking over at me and I'm like, okay, um, Michelle, we're leaving. She yells out, okay, Brad, I'll be outside waiting for you, Brad. I said, what the hell is that all about? So we go outside and she said, um, yeah, I noticed the lady in the next aisle over. She was there with her baby, and she didn't have enough to get her diapers. Weren't you going to pay for her diapers? I said, what are you talking about? And she said the lady rang it through, and she didn't have enough for her diapers, so she said she'd have to come back and get the money from the father. I, Aren't you going to pay for the diapers? And I said, what the hell made you think it was me? And she said, because the lady was behind us when we were checking out, and you told her to go ahead and go, go ahead in front of us. And I said probably being a gentleman because she had a baby and she didn't have as much stuff as us but I didn't pay attention to what she was ringing through and what she didn't have enough money for I'm glad you did but it was things like that because I let the lady through that must have been a lady with my child and I'm being polite not just being a normal gentleman and so it was things like that that you know I just couldn't be a normal gentleman and let a woman through because I had something to do with that woman because I was being nice to her and it would be damned if you do damned if you don't um, there was one time we were at a CVS and, um, there was a lady, um, I guess I walked up in front of her and my wife said, um, what's the matter? You didn't want the fat one go first. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, come on, you always go for the fat ones, but this one you didn't because you wanted it to look good. You figure if you let her go, then I'd know that was your girlfriend. I said, so okay, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't, if I let somebody go and be nice because they're mine. And if I don't, it's reverse psychology. I, I just, I could never win. And it was making me go crazy because no matter what, I, like I said, it was damned if I do, damned if I don't. So, but that's, um, that's, uh, I may touch on the paranoia a little bit more in another episode and get into some more detail, but that's just kind of like an, a general overview of some of the paranoid delusions um, episodes that I've been through. So with that being said, you know, good luck and, um, if I was you, if, if your other half has paranoid delusions, I would try to touch on it as soon as possible and try to get help before it gets out of control and try to, you know, do what I tried doing about, you know, asking them, you know, maybe you should watch and see if anything plays out with it. Because if you let it go too long, it could probably just turn into of them thinking it's test runs like I went through. So, with that being said, though, you know, there's no substitute for professional help. Um, I know that from experience. I tried doing it all on my own and 
it didn't work. I'm not saying professional help might may have worked any better, but you know, it, it's probably better to start with professional help. I might have had a different outcome, but who knows? But with that being said, I love them is to understand them, and the only thing you do is try to love them as much as you can because they find it hard to understand themselves and love themselves. So with that being said, have a good day. Thank you again for listening, and happy life. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can, because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again, and have a happy life.